1: Welcome back. As we head into Hour 3 this Wednesday, it's a delight to welcome back in studio one of my favorite people and one of my uh, oldest friends. I think we've known each other several decades. Our families have known each other even longer than that. And that is Karen Taylor Robson, who is the president of Arizona Strategies and a member of the Arizona Board of Regions. You were vice president. Are you still vice president of the Arizona Board of Regions?
2: Uh, I was secretary. Secretary. no longer the secretary. No
1: longer the secretary. Save your writing hand, That's correct. Yeah. <laughs> That's correct. Yeah.
2: That's
1: Karen Taylor Robeson was here last time talking about this great idea of hers and concept and contest at our three state universities, ASU, U of A, and NAU, called the Regents Cup, which was your brainchild and you developed a little over a year ago. The idea of which behind it is to teach the students at these schools uh, about the commitment to academic and intellectual diversity and freedom of speech and thus put them in a debating contest, uh, Lincoln-Douglas-style, Oxford-style debating contest against each other, various teams arguing propositions they may or may not agree with, and in the final round, having no concept, right? That's correct. And I've been privileged two years in a row now to be asked um, by um, you and the Board of Regents to be a judge, and it was a delight. And we did this Saturday, the second one, the second annual uh, Regents' Cup was Saturday. I was... As last year, totally impressed with the caliber of students. And I wanted to get not only your, um, your summary thoughts on it, Karen, but talk to the two student winners if we could, which we'll get to in just a moment. Uh, Abigail Spencer and Langston Tillman, they're on hold. We'll get to them in a moment. But uh, tell me what you saw on Saturday.
2: Well, first off, I want to thank you for your time and your, and your effort and your support of, of this endeavor. Great endeavor. Uh, i I was actually I was blown away with the caliber of the students uh, and and you know the hope that I have for the future when you see students able to converse and to debate uh, freely and openly I mean these students they didn't know what side they were debating right. until you know in advance of of their round and so you know they have to prepare to be able to debate. Either side of an issue.
1: Pretty tough issues.
2: Very tough issues. Tell us some of the issues. Well, I'll tell you, you know, there's there's debate competitions all over the country, you know, that students engage in. But what's unique about the Regents' Cup is it is specifically about the First Amendment and free speech and the importance of it, in particular on our college campuses. I mean— if nowhere else, our universities have got to defend free speech and the freedom of in- inquiry. You know, that's where students go to test their own intellectual uh, thoughts and, and ideas and, you know, test them and, and evolve them um, and not be shut down. And, and that is what we see far too often around the country, that uh, students do not have the diversity of opinion or ideas. They're, they're simply shut down. And, and in fact, Dr. Crow made a comment in our our kickoff on Friday that, you know, if we shut down free speech, we will fundamentally – Shut down the ability to create knowledge.
1: Mm-hmm. That's right. So,
2: so think about that for a moment. I mean, even, even the scientific method. I was
1: just going to say, right. right?
2: The scientific method requires you to theorize and hypothesize and, and requires you to defend and discover. And revise. And revise. Right. And, 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 learn, change and change your mind. Change your mind. And learn when you're wrong and be able to accept it when you're wrong and yet keep pressing forward. And I would argue that's why in America over the course of the last 250 years we have created more knowledge than previously in recorded human history. That's right. And so free speech is fundamental to that endeavor, that human endeavor. So I couldn't be more proud. This, As you said, it was our, our second Regent's Cup. I was proud of the, not only the students, and we'll, we'll hear from the winners in, in a moment, but the caliber of judges we had. We had you know, judges, national judges. We had the, the head of the Foundation for Individual Rights in Education. We had the the head of the U.S. Chamber Foundation, We had the head of the American Council of Trustees and Alumni. We had a member of the Board of Trustees of the University of Miami. One of our main sponsors is a member of the Board of Trustees at Vanderbilt University. And so my initial original thought for the Regents' Cup was really to be a beacon for other universities and university systems around the country. You know, Arizona State University is the largest university in the country, and so with that comes some responsibilities. It also comes with significant opportunities. Yeah. And all three of our universities have made significant commitments to free speech.
1: Teaching students and teaching other schools how to do it, basically, yes. is the concept here. And teaching students, too. I'm going to ask you, I'm curious about this, because I'm hoping this, is, this was, this was an, um, a, a concept uh, in, in the, in the In the framing of this contest, and that is getting students to actually examine other perspectives that they may even adopt, in other words, have you met students who have been in these contests Karen last year or or this year, who have said, "You know I believed this about that topic going in, having examined it from every possible side in the with the duty of being able to defend or or, or condemn it i've actually changed my mind. Have you gotten students to think again about presuppositions?
2: Yes. Yeah. And and I tell you, that may be the most rewarding aspect of this whole endeavor. You know, students that will come in and say that they believe that that it is appropriate uh, to shut down students with whom they disagree. And they come out of this experience with the Regents' Cup and the preparation for the Regents' Cup with an entirely new attitude that says, no. It's more speech that we need, not less speech. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's civil discourse. Yeah,
1: and 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 have you found this is this might be a tough question? I'll, I'll ask Ab- Abigail and Langston. Have you found students in a certain major are more open to free speech, or a certain focus or area of study than others, or is that at this early stage too hard to assess?
2: I think that's too hard to yeah. assess. Yeah. You know, we had, we had great participation in, in the inaugural Regents Cup. We had great participation this time around, um, and. You know, being a, a three-time alum from Arizona State University, I'm I'm proud that uh, that uh, Arizona State won the the inaugural cup. Three-time alum. I'm a three-time alum. They're Is not
1: it, just tanning away those social sociology degrees. You had to go there three times to get your BA in sociology. Yeah,
2: right. It took me three times to get it right. I what guess. did you do at ASU? I was a history major and then a political science major and then I got my law degree. There for, you go. There issue. you go.
1: Three degrees. Yeah. We could call you a PhD and so, if you were the <laughs> first something. lady,
2: right. <laughs> we That's could right. call you a doctor. Almost.
1: Juris doctor. Right. Should we talk to the students for yes. a second and congratulate yes. them? Let's do that. Abigail and Langston, both ASU students, congratulations to both of you. Let me start with you, Abigail. Uh, first of all, Abigail, tell us a little bit about, uh, about yourself. What's your major, what year are you at ASU, and what did you have to debate and what side?
3: Hi, Hi. Uh, my Hi. name is Abigail Spencer. Mm-hmm. I think we knew this, but uh, I'll go into a bit more detail. I'm a forensic psychology and Russian language major oh, at Arizona State University. Mm-hmm. So I get to constantly have to uh, transport myself between the two campuses, uh-huh. as one of my majors is at the West Campus and the one is at Tempe. But, you know, it's just, ASU has such a great category um, diversity with majors, and so I, I had to take advantage of, nice. you know, multiple, and I'm ai am a, I'm a first-year student, but I'm hoping to graduate a little early, so definitely fast-tracking my education, but yeah, I, I really love ASU. I think it's a great school. Like I said, there's so many different things to learn. I get to be part of the Honors College. I get to be involved. We have a really, really, really strong speech and debate team headed by some amazing coaches that... I'm super fortunate to be a part of, and yeah, ASU is just a really great school for me, and I think Arizona's education is awesome.
1: And what was the proposition in the final round that you won that you had to debate, and what side did you take?
3: Yeah, so our our final round resolution was that uh, cancel culture is a legitimate threat to free speech, uh-huh. and it's sort of a difficult debate because there's a lot of nuance that goes into that, and so... You know, and throughout the course of this debate, uh, we spent a lot of time really trying to pinpoint what cancel culture even is, uh-huh. because there's so much back and forth between, you know, on one side you have people saying, well, it's it's just holding people accountable, it's just boycotting," right. and on the other side you have people saying it's completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think we sort of came to a consensus that, you know, there's there's nuance there, mm-hmm. and that it's somewhere in the middle, and then we were able to navigate that conversation Uh, with relation to what we define as free speech. And so there was a, a conversation about whether, you know, there can be threats to free speech that exist outside of the government and whether we have to follow more legal definitions or whether we should follow more moral and more relevant definitions that, you know, extend beyond just the Constitution. And that really spurred a lot of interesting questions and answers throughout the cross-examination period about the nuance that exists within all of these topic areas and where we can try to find a way to articulate them and what we should be defending.
1: Thank you. Langston, you were on Abigail's team here, right?
4: Yes. Yes, I was.
1: And the side you guys took on this question, by the way, Langston? Mm-hmm. The side was that cancel culture is a legitimate th- threat to free speech, or did you t- right, right, right? You t- we were
0: affirming that. Perfect,
1: perfect. I- I'd love, I'd love to get your opening argument when we come back on the other side of this break. If you guys have a little time, am I taking you from uh, other things, or do you have a little more time for us?
4: Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll have enough time.
1: Yeah. Great, Abigail and Langston, if you'll stay, Karen, I'll stay. I want to. I want to get your opening arguments on why cancel culture is a legitimate threat to free speech, and then I want to finish up with uh, some uh, other, other, other um, thoughts with Karen uh, Taylor Robson. As long as we have the advantage of having her in studio with us, so I'm Seth they There, Langston Tillman and Abigail Spencer, winner of the Regents Cup, ASU students, and Karen Taylor Robson from the Board of Regents at ASU is with us. We will be right back. For those who know uh, my in-studio guest, Karen Taylor Robeson, they could probably think that would be a great – theme song for her, Walking on Sunshine. She always seems to be walking on sunshine. She gives lift. You're always, you're always so optimistic and upbeat and encouraging, Karen. And um, that's why I love that you're at the Board of Regents working with these students at ASU, U of A, and NAU with this. Uh, I lost one, Bill. My bad. I knew it would happen. Can you call Abigail back? We'll get her back. I knew that would happen. That was my fault. But working with these students in this Regents Cup where the students are involved in a debate contest centered around defending the First Amendment, academic, and intellectual freedom. And Langston Tillman, who was part of the winning team, uh, Langston, tell me about yourself a little bit, sir. Are you? A, what year are you, and what's your major field of study?
4: Um, I'm a junior, and I study quite a few things. I study chemical engineering, mathematics, philosophy, and political science. Jeez, oh,
1: okay. <laughs> All right, I am not qualified to be talking to these students. Cancel culture is a legitimate fr- threat to free speech, Langston. You had to defend that proposition in a few sentences, or take uh, take a minute. What's your opening argument?
4: Right, so there were uh, there, there are a couple arguments. this. One is that cancel culture is a form of ostracism, and ostracism erases freedom of of speech and self-expression by sort of forcing people who hold different beliefs to sort of have a self-censorship mechanism, which doesn't contribute anything to free speech. And I, I, I thought that that was probably our strongest contention, which is, People, If we live in a society where the only freedom of speech is that the government won't censor you, but people don't value freedom of speech, then really, does this society value free speech? And I would argue no.
1: Abigail, uh, did you go into this debate agreeing with the side you ended up having to uh, defend, or did you have to take a side you didn't uh, agree with internally initially?
3: Well... So I, I had the opportunity to speak with uh, a reporter for, I believe it's ASC now, prior to the competition. And one of the things that i would said then is I think a lot of times when we talk about debate, people have this idea that there are two sides of an issue and, you know, one of them prevails. And realistically, when you prepare for events like Regent's Cup or debate in general, you realize that there aren't two sides to debate. There are infinite sides. Right, And so the preparation that Langston and I had to do for every round was not just, okay, here's the side we like and here's what we would say and then here's the other side and here's what would win. It really required trying to put yourself in both positions and making the arguments that, you know, like making the arguments I personally would agree with on that side. So on our negatives, there were a lot of people on our team in uh, at the tournament, you know, the, the folks that we hit who were saying that cancel culture is not a legitimate threat to free speech right. because, right. for example, free speech has to be threatened by the government. Right. And even though we had to prepare a negative speech, that was not one of the claims we'd made. Yeah. Because we were able to advocate both sides without making claims that we personally and ideologically disagreed with. And, you know, we're of the opinion that there can be threats to free speech on university campuses, in any, you know, public transportation setting, and the workplace, there can be any threat to public speech. And so that definition, while it may have been beneficial on the negative, wasn't what we incorporated into our case. And we did this basically every round where we would try to, you know, take approaches on either side. And I feel pretty confident. And I think Langston, you know, and I were sort of in a similar position where we felt like the claims we were making on either side we're both going toward the same goal of promoting public discourse and promoting free speech nice. it's just a matter of what we prioritize and how we get there nice
1: Abigail uh, and at Langston I'll ask you too and uh, but first Abigail in, prepar- in in preparing for this uh, contest uh, for this uh, debate contest the Regent's Cup, did you watch on YouTube or TV or anything else did you watch other prof- other famous debaters in any sense any other public uh public persona who were debating other issues in the past 10, 20, 50, 80 years? Did you watch other people debate to learn skills, or did you kind of do it through classes, study, and your own work?
3: You know, I I think that Langston and I will likely have uh, very different answers Uh here, and I I think you'll see why, but I'll start in that I have been surrounded by public speaking and advocacy for a very long time. Uh I started a speech and debate team when I was in middle school. Uh-huh. And so for the past seven years, I've been you know, hopping between debate team to speech team to acting, theater, film studies, to mock trial, model United Nations. And I didn't watch specific models in preparation for this event because I didn't feel like I had to. I've been really fortunate to have such a diverse, a range of people that I can see as examples of rhetorical strategy Uh and communication and how we communicate effectively. And our, like I mentioned before, the ASU speech and debate team is just a really incredible program. And so I've definitely seen a lot of positive examples there of communication, rhetoric, persuasion. And a lot of those are sort of factors that shaped my understanding of what this activity should look like.
1: Nice. Langston, I'll throw the same question your way.
3: Yeah. So unlike
4: Abigail, I had no previous debate experience. So wow. I did watch a few debates. I watched, for instance, last year's Regent's Cup uh-huh. final. I watched a lot of you know more famous people like Nomchansky or Jordan Peterson, and I also had the great opportunity to watch Abigail Spencer debate, uh-huh. which was <laughs> because Abigail is really good, and I'm, I'm very fortunate to have gotten to know.
1: Through this event, uh, who did Noam Chomsky and and Jordan Peterson debate? Do you remember? You may not remember. It may be unfair to ask. I don't you. really yeah. remember it,
4: was- but it
1: is interesting. You mentioned those two names because they are they are they are two people of extremely high IQ at two very 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 coming from fair, two very very different points of view, and that's really the point of education, isn't that a good education? Uh, Langston, Abigail, and Karen, isn't that it? Don't you want to learn? I mean. The Socratic method is Socrates debating Plato, debating um, to teach. You you learn through watching the contest of ideas, and I loved that when I went to college. I'm sure you did too, Karen, Abigail, and Langston. To see two extremely smart people is the best uh, who disagree, go at it. That's really the best education you can get, isn't it?
3: Yeah, and you know, I, I think to the rounds that we had, and they're all available on the Arizona Board of Regents. YouTube channel and so you know I hope that those can be educational resources for others but I will say I think some of the most interesting debates came from rounds where the concluding speech on both sides was really interacting with the difficult conversations the other side was trying to start uh-huh. and I think when you mention you know two really different speakers having these conversations and having these debates What makes them so compelling is because you're so limited when you are the only person speaking or when it is affirmative or negative wins. But when you end up in this space where the affirmative speaker is giving an affirmative negative speech and the negative speaker is giving an affirmative negative speech, but they both take their own unique approach, those are some of the most interesting conversations and perspectives that we can have.
1: Well, Abigail and Langston, thanks for spending some time with us. Thanks for engaging in the Board of Regents, Regents Cup, and congratulations on your win. Now I'll just ask you, the only price you have to pay for this is I want you to listen to the show from time to time and call in and debate me when you disagree with me. I think that would be a good use. But God bless you both, and congratulations. Karen, can I keep you for one more segment and do a little politics? Do you have a little more time for me? Sure. I'd hate to waste your presence here as long as I can keep you for five more minutes. We'll do a little more politics with Karen taylor Robson on the other side of this. Abigail Langston, kudos. Welcome back to the Seth Liebson Show. Uh, it's been a delight to have Karen taylor Robson in the studio with us, uh, great friend and um, attorney in town and president of Arizona's uh, premier land use strategy team, Arizona Strategies, Arizona, ArizonaStrategies.com. But it would have been... Um, a waste uh, if I didn't have an opportunity to ask you a couple political questions, Karen, because you're so involved in the political arena here in Arizona and nationwide. And your dad was the president of the Arizona State Senate. So I was just I had to ask you. I just needed to spend a few moments with you. There's this audit of the recount going on in the state of Arizona right now having to do with the 2020 election. Uh, given your entire experience in growing up with your dad as the president of the Arizona Senate politics, the political involvement you've been in, uh, this is kind of interesting. We're the only state doing this as far as I know, at least doing it as expansively as we're doing it. And I just you know, wanted to get your take on, on what you see going on here with this audit.
2: Well, I think, you know, confidence in our elections is the bedrock of our democracy. And, you know, we can go back to 2016, right? In the election of 2016, Hillary Clinton did not want to accept the results and question the results. And then, you know, even 2017, Nancy Pelosi continued to question the results of 2016. We have Stacey Abrams in in Georgia who believes she won the election, right? So that, so this is not new. This is not a new thing. And and after the recent elections, 7 I think it was 79% of Republicans in America believed that there was something wrong with the elections. And and over 30% of independents. Mm-hmm. So clearly, there's no confidence in the outcome. And so I applaud my friend President Karen Fan Uh, for what she's doing. And and we're going to let the evidence, you know, lead us to where it leads us. But I think it's critically important to allow this, you know, the audit is underway and let's let it conclude.
1: Seems to me, if you're secure in your thoughts, beliefs, feelings, and evidence of the results, you shouldn't be afraid of an audit.
2: Seems to me. That's correct.
1: And it seems to me that if you want to have confidence in your government, which is a big problem the Democrats talk a lot about that not enough people support the you know support the the, 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 the government that not enough people um are willing to accept results, if you 're going to have confidence in your government, you have to at bedrock have to have confidence
2: in your elections don 't you it 's that simple isn 't it absolutely, and you know we have to continue it you know with every election we have to continue to make sure that we 're doing everything possible. To ensure the, the integrity you know the security of our elections again it's just it's paramount to who we are um, as Americans and 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 it's just a, a basic fundamental of our democracy as I said
1: the results of an audit if, it, if the results show that uh, basic integrity was was abided by and that there was basically nothing terribly wrong um, outside of the usual uh, with our elections then if, if the audit shows that then that should give confidence to those who right now lack it. That's correct. And if it doesn't show that, then one would hope we would be adults about this sort of thing. And those who won by dint of something the audit doesn't show legitimate, they ought to own up to it too. Both This is a deal both sides have to work off of, I think. And either way, either way, getting to the bottom of something, getting to the truth of something – Ipso facto gives us should give us more confidence, shouldn't
2: it? It absolutely should on both sides. If you're a Republican or Democrat, whoever you voted for, it should give you more confidence. Why
1: is there so much angst and anger about this? Angst may be the right reason, but anger.
2: Well, I I would argue that uh, you know, in particular because of in, the angst, maybe. yeah. In in other states, there were things they they didn't have um, uh, any of the mechanisms in place to ensure you know, um, outcomes that people have confidence in. Mm -hmm. You know, Arizona, I will give credit to Arizona. We've been at this for a long time. In fact, many say we're kind of best in class when it comes to, you know, the absentee and and early balloting. These other states with the all-mail-in ballot, they'd never done this this before. And and, and quite frankly, I think it was planned chaos. Mm -hmm.
1: I do too. Playing with fire is what William Barr once said it would be. And I think we saw with a lot of fingers burnt, that that's exactly what we were doing. Well, we'll sit back. We'll see what the results are. And, um, and I'm really glad to have you on, on, on record on that because I haven't asked a lot of people about this, Karen, and I haven't gotten a lot of phone calls about it either. But it seemed to me you know, someone in your position would have, would have a good sense of these things, having grown up around all this. We shouldn't be afraid of an audit, not when it comes to election integrity, right? End of story. Correct. God bless you for all you do for our state and uh, for me as a friend, Karen Taylor-Robeson. Thanks for coming in.
2: Thank you. Thanks for having me.
1: You bet. We'll talk soon. I'm Seth, six zero two five zero eight zero nine six zero. We will be right back. If you're thinking about ending your relationship with the power companies in Arizona and going solar. I want you to think about Solar Sandy. Solar Sandy has brought integrity back to solar in Arizona, and she has figured out how to actually and truly zero out your power bill. Don't suffer through another summer of astronomical power bills or having to keep your house fairly warm because you're afraid of your power bills being too high. Check out what Solar Sandy can do for you. If you sign up with her now, she will pay your power bills for one year and your solar panel payments for one year, and you will receive a $1,000 bonus at signing. She can do appointments by Zoom or in person, and she has a wonderful reputation for her honesty and integrity. Check out the testimonials on her website, AskSolarSandy.com. To get started, give her a call at 623 850 8229, that's 623-850-8229, or go to asksolarsandy.com, that's asksolarsandy.com, tell her I sent you. John is in Peoria, hi John.
0: Seth, how are you, sir? Nice
1: to talk to you, I'm fine, how are you?
0: I haven't talked to you in a while, Seth.
1: I know, where you been, what have you been up to?
0: Oh, buddy, if you only knew. You know what I used to do,
1: so. Yes, but, uh, I do.
0: I've got all kinds of things going on, my friend, but here's the deal. Um, excellent last segment. Uh, you know, those kids give us hope. Yep. You know, sometimes you lose hope. Yep. Especially now nowadays. Um, but,
1: uh, By the way, I wasn't surprised. I are... have to tell you, John, I have to tell you, I wasn't surprised that both those students committed to free speech and intellectual honesty and academic freedom as they were, I thought it interesting and not surprising that they didn't have the standard um, mainstream major fields of study. You didn't have anthropology. So you had serious stuff. You had science and Russian in there. The serious take things yeah, seriously. Yeah, I was surprised by yeah. that gal,
0: yeah. uh, Russian language yeah. studies. Yeah, yeah. Oh, Something. yeah it
1: turns uh-huh. out the serious take things seriously
0: yes and she sounded pretty darn serious yeah i think she's gonna go far i do too i think both those kids are how cool go was far, it for I that understand.
1: one kid who was her partner to say i had the pleasure of watching my partner debate that was so cool
0: yeah that's right she paid that's that's really cool i thought right. it was yeah. yeah good kid yeah good kids. Yeah. thank you seth for doing that you bet you, you give hope you give hope when sometimes there's Little hope, no. But I wanted to make a quick comment here because I know we're getting close to. Um, no, you're, to fine. Zero you're fine. You're fine. Uh, you're fine. You're good. But here's here's the deal. Um, you know our uh, our current virtue sig- uh, signaling president uh, uh, doing all this virtue signaling and uh, wokeness and everything like that. do you notice who the bust is behind him when he sits in the Oval Office? Did you notice that?
1: Say that again, John. Yeah.
0: What what's the bust?
1: It's it's uh, uh it's uh, Cesar uh, it's Cesar Chavez isn't it? Or is it Robert Kennedy? I don't well, remember. Well,
0: Cesar Chavez I think and then there's somebody else. Isn't there, there a Ro- I think John? maybe
1: Robert Kennedy is that possible?
0: Yeah, John, I think it's either John F or Robert. I think it uh, might
1: be Robert, uh, uh, but in any event, go ahead. Yeah. Uh-huh. Uh,
0: okay, okay. So Robert Kennedy anyhow. Well, anyhow, here's the deal. You know, uh we could translate that a little bit. Um if it was, I thought it was John Kennedy, so I might be wrong. You might be That's right, but say. in any event,
1: yeah, you might be right. It might be John
0: Kennedy. Here, here's the deal. They they took away, uh, they criticized Trump because he had Winston Churchill. I remember you have, uh, yep, seeing them have Winston yep. Churchill and Andrew Jackson. Well, both racist, racist, yep. racist, racist. racist. Yep. But, um, and I would never cancel John F. Kennedy, nope. you know, but... Guess what? People don't read. John F. Kennedy collaborated with a, a Nazi or somebody that says he was uh, uh, forced to be in the Nazi party. He had deep collaboration. You know who that is?
1: I assume his dad. No. Who?
0: Werner von Braun.
1: Oh yes, of course. Right.
0: Of course. Who, who created the space yeah. of course. program of course. for us? Yes, of course. of course, of course. And then also he collaborated with an, or he hosted another Nazi. And this, well, Vernon von Braun said he was forced to be in the Nazi party. Well, I
1: think, uh, I, I, don't I, yeah, I, don't, I don't know. Yeah, uh, I don't know enough about the busts there, whether it's John or Robert. But either way, I think your point is an interesting one at a different level.
0: Yeah, but uh, let me finish. Sure. You know who, uh, the other Nazi that uh, John F. Kennedy posted at the White House, and this was an avowed Nazi right to the person's death. Who was that? He hosted at the White House, a picture taken with, I'll I'll, I'll give you a hint, it's a female.
1: I I don't know.
0: Actually, a very famous female. Ever heard of Hannah Reich? No. She was the first helicopter pilot in the world, and actually being a woman, too. She was, because the Nazis were the first ones to have a helicopter. Okay. And she was a test pilot. She test piloted a lot of the Nazi uh, aircraft.
1: I think what's what's interesting about this, John, is I don't know this history. And I'm going to guess, not to be arrogant about this, but I'm going to guess most people don't. When they think of John Kennedy, they don't think of Hannah Reich. Some do, and you do, and that's important enough. So I don't mean to diminish it. But let's make something uh, of this that's more appreciable by more people, I think. I think, I think. Um, and I don't mean to ruin the point because I do think it is Robert Kennedy and not John. But if it is, then go look up what Robert Kennedy's beliefs were on welfare. Go look up Robert Kennedy's speeches on welfare. If it is John Kennedy, look up his speeches on tax reform. What Joe Biden proposes tonight is 100 percent the opposite of um, of uh, what JFK spoke about and proposed when it came – to taxes. In fact, I'll tell you about that when we come back. If it's Robert Kennedy, look at what Robert Kennedy thought about welfare. If it's Cesar Chavez, look at what Cesar Chavez thought about illegal immigrants. And none of these, none of these people have anything in common with Joe Biden's positions. We'll be right back. I'd like to read you something. Quote, our true choice is not between tax reduction on the one hand and the avoidance of large federal deficits on the other. It is increasingly clear that no matter what party is in power, so long as our national security needs keep rising, an economy hampered by restrictive tax rates will never produce enough revenue to balance our budget, just as it will never produce enough jobs or enough profits. Surely the lesson of the last decade is that budget deficits are not caused by wild-eyed spenders, but by slow economic growth and periodic recessions, and any new recession would break all deficit records. In short, it is a paradoxical truth that tax rates are too high today and tax revenues are too low and the soundest way to raise the revenues in the long run is to cut the tax rates now. The experience of a number of European countries and Japan have borne this out. This country's own experience with tax reduction in 1954 bore this out. And the reason is that only full employment can balance the budget and tax reduction can pave the way to that employment. The purpose of cutting taxes now is not to incur a budget deficit, but to achieve the more prosperous, expanding economy which can bring a budget surplus, close quote. That wasn't Jack Kemp, JFK, Jack French Kemp. It was a different JFK, John F. Kennedy. That was John F. Kennedy. So whether it's John Kennedy or Robert Kennedy in the White House – They would not be very happy with what's taking place in their party under their name, whether taxes or welfare. They don't agree with this guy. They agree with our guys and gals. Folks, thanks for spending some of your time with us. Until tomorrow, God
0: bless you, and class dismissed.